Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the board where we have pick and roll for you every weekday morning around 11, 15, 11, 30 a.m. Eastern time to discuss NBA betting and just more general things around the league. And we're coming back today, Friday. There were no picks that were given out, no official picks that were given out. But making up for that today, there's going to be three same game parlays coming for you a little bit later on in the show. And also a little bit of extra maybe betting insight provided from our discussion piece for today. Still a loaded episode. That being said, (laughs) the only we've done about 70 of these streams so far this season. That was the first time out of 70 that we did not give out an official pick. That is the most viewed live stream on this channel. So uh, I was hoping that despite the no picks, we could still come up with some great information for you guys, still come up with great content, and you guys liked it. It is the most popular stream on the channel for now. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. I was kind of worried about that one, but it seemed to... I mean, I enjoyed it, Pips enjoyed it, and apparently... You guys did as well. So no recap for today's stream on the picks. We will talk about the record on this season. However, it's been a great season so far. If you've been tailing the picks on the show Uh, so far, a 74 and 55 record plus 10 units, 6.7% ROI. So if you guys have been enjoying all that stuff, enjoying the picks, smash the like button on this stream. And also please make sure you're subscribed to the board. We're getting very close to 600 subs in this channel. I want to move towards 1,000. So no recap. We're going to go right into our discussion piece. And this is from a few days ago, but it, it's still, I, I think there's actionable info that we can take off it, which is why I wanted to make it part of our discussion. Uh, I'm sure if you're an NBA fan, you've seen online discussions surrounding Jaron Jackson Jr.'s home and away defensive stat splits. Jaron Jackson Jr., who we spoke about on Thursday as the leading candidate to win the defensive player of the year. There is quite a discrepancy in his home and away stats. And we're going to talk about the validity of that and what we can do with this information. So before I get Pips in here, I'll just read off how different they are. So at home in Memphis, he has 66 blocks in 16 games, which is 4.13 a game, 4.13. In road games, he has 35 in still 16 games, which is 2.19. Pretty much same minutes, but it's gone from 4.13 blocks to 2.19 home versus away. And in the steals category, he has 22 steals at home, and he only has 10 steals away from home. So 1.4 steals per game at home, 0.63 steals in away games. So that's 88 blocks plus steals at home versus 45 on the road. So I'm thinking like if you were tracking this before this became public, you could have made a lot of money betting on home games. That being said, Pips, um, this is a question about the scorekeeper. Do you like take any validity to, to what's being said here? No, not at all. So I'll just also we bet him once in on the show this season. Yeah, and it was a home game. Yeah, he didn't cover, and got, that's the only game he didn't cover at home in the entire season. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's, so, that's crazy. Yeah, so he's like like one healthy season was in 2020, and he also had a bit more blocks and steals at home. Like not that margin, but like same same number of games, and he had forty one blocks at away and fifty one block at home, and also more steals at home than at away, but like not a huge difference. But I will say I actually rewatched almost every steal and block of his home record, 
it's it's easy. Like you need to one hour, one hour to, to to look at it all. And I'll say there are a couple of questionable ones, but even if you take the, them out and it's like like five of total, it's still a huge difference. So I don't see like and also Kevin O'Connor did the, the same. He posted a couple of questionable ones, and even those questionable ones, you have like a good like reason to give it to Jalen Jackson Jr. So I'm not a huge like. That just shows how data home and away split is like. Some guys just play harder at home, like. So we we could be like the same thing about his three point shooting. He's shooting forty percent at home and thirty four percent at away. Like mm-hmm. that's also huge, like difference, like six percent. That's like like from below average shooter to above average shooter. Like so, like there is always like stuff like this, and I I know it's a huge discrepancy, and we'll see throughout the season. It will. Would it like even out a bit, like or something? But yeah, the last game, like last night, he also had like amazing game at home. He yep. had five blocks and one steal, and everyone was watching and covering it closely, and nothing was suspicious in that game. And he still has six stops. Like, yeah, game yeah. four. They were away at the Wolves, and he had two blocks and two steals. So, like, away game still covers. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I like that you did the, the research firsthand. I pulled up another person who did the same research, and it's kind of crazy. He came up with the same numbers as you because it's pretty accurate. This is Kurt Goldsbury, ESPN analyst, um, very uh, recognizable person in NBA media. Uh, he said he watched all 66 blocks, three to five are questionable, two are, like, Two are definitely sus, as he says here. Uh, I'm not going to show the videos because of copyright yeah. issues on YouTube, but uh, you kind of came up with the same figures there. Um, I, I just think people want to think sports are rigged. Like sports are like, uh, other than like specific examples, you know, like the early 2000s Lakers against the Kings in the playoffs. Yeah. Like like that's like one instance we can like, really come down to in the last uh, 20 or so years, but people want to think sports are so rigged, but they just they genuinely are not. We can come up with a lot of other theories as to why Jaron Jackson Jr. has better home and away splits. The biggest one is like players play better at home. And also like sometimes just strange occurrences, like, like coincidences like this can happen where it's just so different home and away. Like also like it's a player plays better home. Some of the points are outlined here, which I also have. The Grizzlies at home are 20 and three and are 11 and five when they're on the road. So they're just a better overall team at home. And he's just a better player at home uh, based on many stats that we have outlined here. Like it's, it's a lot easier to say like just some strange things can happen. A player can play better at home. The team overall is better at home rather than saying the scorekeeper is rigging stuff in his favor. And you mentioned like a couple of iffy ones, I think you could go through every player in the league and come up with a couple that like, oh, maybe you should have been credited with that. But like, I, I, I think people are overblowing this. But despite like we feel like it's overblown, we've seen a quite quite a drastic shift in DPOI voting. So or the markets, at least. So we did a show. This is kind of what I wanted to cover this. On Thursday, we did a show 
where Jaron Jackson was like minus 210 to 20 and Nick Claxton was plus 700. This has been taken as actionable info and Nick Claxton's down to, he was actually under 400 yesterday. He's up to plus 400 now. So there's been quite a sharp difference in people taking it this as actionable info. Um, I'm going to make the case here. So uh, me, I spoke about this before we came out with Pips. Jaron Jackson Jr., while he was out, the Memphis Grizzlies had the 19th best defense. They are now number one, and it's directly as a result of Jaron Jackson Jr. being back. Like we can safely say, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s presence allows him to be the number one defense. Also, the people who actually vote on these awards have now spent the last few days deep diving on Jaron Jackson Jr.'s defensive games, many of which are looking at this go, he's even better than we thought just by watching all these clips over again. So I'm going to give this as some actionable info. Uh, usually not my place to give out picks, but Jaron Jackson Jr., Pips was in agreement that he should be minus 200 or so. Well, he's minus 175 drafting. He's actually minus 155 at BetMGM. And basically nothing has happened the last few days that would take away any of his claim to winning this award, yet you're getting him now at minus 155 at MGM instead of where he was like minus 200. So I think that's something worth looking into for Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, what do you think about that, Pips, the angle I'm kind of taking there? So the last time we saw like the lines, I was like, okay, that's probably realistic. And of course, I, I just checked before the show also, the lines and saw minus 155 at BetMGM. And if I was into betting futures, I would certainly take a look at that. And I think it has value for sure. Yeah. So on Thursday, I said plus 700 and Claxton like actually looks pretty good. Um, I, I said also, that as well. But... I'll, I'll do one more thing for the next show. I'll go back and rewatch every block of Claxton <laughs> and Steel, and I'll just name questionable ones. So we'll see. The difference okay that that would be good to know so yeah. it's all about the price like on friday i said like plus 700 claxton you know we're getting our free bets with the dodges thing that might be worth a look by the time i got my free bet claxton was down to 390 so i stayed away from that but then i i over the next couple of days i'm like well nothing has really changed here except for this narrative that's it's just this is more of a story than anything like it's just overblowing mm -hmm. something that's not even there well jaron jackson like now this price seems to be really valuable. So it's all about the price beyond the handicap. And uh, I, I do bet a few NBA futures. So minus 155 did look good to me at BetMGM. So um, that's that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up on everything because I feel like the betting market reacting to such information is just like really, really strange. And I saw a lot of people thinking that Claxton was all of a sudden, well, I mean, clearly at 700, he's now 400. That was a valuable play, but um Regardless, um, I just I find that so interesting the way the, the market reacted. Um, a lot of trades happening at NBA in the next few days. Somebody's bringing up that uh, a proposed trade for Crowder going to the Milwaukee Bucks. I guess we could touch on this quickly before we go into the official picks. Um, I'm excited for the next few days. As a Raptors fan, we're going to be one of the biggest sellers, I think, of the deadline. There's going to be a lot happening around the, the Raptors, which I'm sure we'll talk about when we get there. Um, but Crowder to the Bucks, do you see... I mean, the fit is is there. What do, what do you think his impact could be on the Bucks in their bid to win another championship this season, if that does happen? So I was like, I was like saying they need a player like that, like Wesley Matthews, but 
a bit younger and Crowder fits that they're great and they just need the good wing uh, with good size. They just can't be playing like Grayson Allen at the small forward and that that's that's not working. And yeah, I did think the fit is great. If you have two holiday, Chris Middleton, Jay Crowder, Yanis, and Brooke Lopez, that's five great defensive players and yeah, it will be and you when you play drop coverage, it will be very difficult to to, to score against them. So he, he's obviously quite different, not quite different, but PJ Tucker was the power forward on that championship roster. And having Jay Crowder in there instead, they're different players, but they're also like you know, three and like comfortable three and D sort of players. They stick to their role, they're the fifth man on offense. So I think the fit is very much there. I always find players like Crowder interesting because if Crowder was on a bad team, he would like not be an effective player. But on good teams, he's so valuable because he knows his role. He can hit like some games he'll go five for five from three. Some games he'll go over seven. But overall, he's a he's a somewhat decent shooter, but he's a solid defender. He's been to an NBA Finals with Phoenix. He's been to an NBA Finals with Miami. So there is definitely value. Uh, to the player there. All right, let's go into the official picks of the segment uh, of the show now. Finally, some official picks. Three same game parlays coming your way today. First of all, we are going to the Wizards who visit the Spurs, and we got some plus money. Take it away from here, Pips. So we are betting on Kelvin Johnson to score over 19 and a half points, combined with Porzingis over 17 and a half points, and we get the plus 100 at DraftKings. Yeah, this is the game, probably the best game to bet over in the entire slate. We have Wizards, we have Spurs, we have like expected 240 points. And of course, going to overs with guys that usually cover these lines that have great, the great, great range of, of scoring. And if you show the graph with Porzingis, that's like a, a, a amazing, amazing value. So yeah, he just covered this line in, in in like 27 of the last 30 games in 25 more minutes, and he's now and it's like covering it by quite some margin, like always getting 20 to 22 points, and now getting the Spurs that allows second most points to opposing power forwards and the most points overall in the entire league. So I think this is a good, good, good spot to go to Porzingis. They have, they are pretty small at, at the four with Sohan and KDB. So I, I think like size and going to the line and like their their the drop coverage. So great, great spot for Porzingis here. Also, Bill is playing so more attention on him. So like. Yeah, great spot for, for Porzingis against the Spurs. And on the other side, Wizards are like the team that just gives single coverage and drop deep. And Kellen Johnson should be able to cover this line pretty easily. Kellen Johnson was actually covering this line almost the entire season. But like, if you, if you take a look at the last, since he came back from, from, to, from the injury nine games, he only didn't cover this line against the Golden State Warriors in 30 points blowout. And the second time that he didn't cover, he scored 19 points in a 40 points blowout against the Clippers. So he was close in a huge blowout, and I don't see a huge blowout coming tonight. 
and this is probably one of the best matchups for him because he's drive heavy in finishing inside and shooting trees like way above the three point line and yeah great spot for 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 Keldon and for Porzingis and we are getting plus money and if this game can just stay close we are good here yeah uh you've liked betting on Porzingis a little bit this season, also betting against the Wizards just because you've outlined it many times. They play guys 1v1. They play drop coverage. Calvin Johnson's a guy who can definitely expose that the way he's been playing. Plus money is also very nice. So let's move now into the second play. Um, usually before we start, people like to predict what you're going to bet against. And somebody correctly figured out that you want to bet against the Sacramento Kings today as they are visiting the Minnesota Timberwolves. Here's the second play. So the second play is Rudy Gobert over nine and a half rebounds combined with uh, Anthony Edwards to score 25 more points, over 24 and a half points, and, but it's shown as 25 plus, and that's plus 100 at DraftKings. So this is the repeated game. Like these two teams uh, played two days ago, and Anthony Edwards had a huge game. That's probably expected against the Kings. Like every every like talented, like shooting guard or power forward or or point guard, like scoring a lot of points against the Kings because their defense is obviously not not great. And I'll just say over the over over the last five games, Anthony Edwards scored 44, 31, 37, 25, and thirty four. And these twenty five points. Like the lowest of these five games were like against the Memphis Grizzlies with Dylan Brooks and number one defense overall. And he still ended up scoring 25 points in the last game against the Kings. He scored 34. So I think he's in a great position to score 25 or more. And for the Rudy Gobert, like, can you just show the chart? Like, this is easy because last, <laughs> this, this shot, shot, this graph shows. Last 10 games with 30 or more minutes for Rudy Gobert. And he had 11 or more in every game. And he had 14 rebounds against the Kings two days ago. So Rudy Gobert is getting back to the shape. He's, he's starting to play 34, 35 minutes a night again. And with Sabonis being the huge part of the, the like the most important part of Kings offense, they need Gobert out there. And Sabonis is playing like 38 to 40 minutes a night. So they need huge minutes for Gobert. And when Gobert, like, it was ridiculous to see, for me, initially, it was ridiculous to see uh, Rudy Gobert line set at 11 point high. Like, that's the guy that averages, like, 14 rebounds per, per 36 minutes in his career. And when he gets 35 minutes or more, like, I expected his line to be 12 or even 30 and a half. Because if you take a look at the graph, over the last 10 games, he averages almost 14 rebounds. So, yeah, it's 30.9 rebounds when he gets over 30 minutes. So, I just love this line. And combined with, like, Anthony Edwards, it's a bit of correlated bet because they are both need to get the minutes and they will both, both get the minutes if the game stays close. So, yeah, I just love getting plus 100 on this one. Yeah, so uh, if you guys have checked out Pips' interview on the Circles Off YouTube channel, he spoke about kind of when he's – he doesn't usually like to bet on rebounding. Um, so if – I'll just say 
I, I, I kind of speak for you here. If you're taking a rebound bet, you must really, really like that bet because you try to stay away from rebound because it's a little bit higher variance because, like, you know, the ball just has to bounce yeah. right away, whereas points, it's just, you know, you can – unless yeah. the guy's out of rhythm, not shooting well, then, which you can't predict, then, it's, it's fine. Then, I, then I'm betting rebounds. It's obviously, like, like guys that are centers because, like, lowest, yeah, yeah. lowest variance. Like, you don't want to bet rebounds on the guards. Like, if, if they miss it, like, by, by, like, if you need, like, to see, like, expect, like, four and a half and you get three and a half at good price, okay. Like, probably profitable on the long term, but I just don't, like, that's like flipping a coin and that's, that there is no huge, huge value there. And also you can bet guys like Julius Randle or Damon Green, that are playing at four and they are, they are rebound heavy, heavy wings, but that's about it. Uh, somebody's also raising Gobert's questionable for this one. I just quickly looked it up. So he's questionable for the last two games, did yep. play 31 minutes in both of those games. So yep. the assumption here, I'm sure, is that if he does play, then he's he's a full go to play, like the, the 36 plus to have to deal yeah. with Sabonis. Yeah, he he played like four straight games, and I don't see it. He actually played the last game was back to back, and he still played. So he had a day rest. That's like LeBron James being questionable for every game. That's yeah. like he's just on on the injury report. He 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 he's healthy, like he's ready to play. All right, all of that makes sense. Let's move into the third play here. Going to the Golden State Warriors against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Two marquee point guards are involved in this one. So we are betting Shea to score over 28 and a half points combined with Curry going for three or more threes. Uh, so I would say Shea, he had a, a couple of day, couple of games in a row where he didn't cover this line because like there was the games like against the teams they were up like double digits the entire game and he let the other guys score. But I don't think that will be the case in this game. Like. When the game is tough, when they need his scoring to, to, to win, he'll score. And he showed that in the last four games. Like, they were underdogs in four straight games, and he scored 37, 34, 36, 35. And I actually watched, I, I think, every of these games, and him scoring 35 points against the Cleveland Cavaliers was, was pretty impressive. Like, the defense of him was unbelievably good and he still end up like easily going over this line and i like the pace against the golden state warriors these are one of two the highest paced teams in the league single coverage golden state never double anyone at least i didn't see it in the entire season so like also huge drop coverage like they are they have the lowest point of drop coverage we ever like seen in the entire league like the drop coverage is like, like to the line of the, of the rim protection line. I don't know how the line is, is called. Like the line when you when you can get in to block the shot. Like I don't know how how it's called. Um, like the restricted area. Yeah, the restricted area line. They will just be outside and just put hands up and let everyone yeah, shoot. Yeah. Over. So I'll just I, I just take the moment to take to just one data to show this. So, okay, so if you take a look at the team data, like the, the data of positional defending, like 
like the teams how they defend some positions. It, it's so interesting to, to to look at the Golden State Warriors because they allow 17 attempts at the, in from the restricted area, and the league average is 27. They allow 17 at the restricted, <laughs> from the restricted area, and the league average is 27. The, the second lowest after Golden State Warriors is Miami Heat with 21, and Golden State Warriors have 17. Also. So the interesting part about second part interesting about this bet is uh, attempts from the restricted area uh, from the paint but not restricted area so like close to the rim but from the paint but like like a couple of feet outside of the paint yeah so this is even crazier so golden state warriors allows 28 attempts in that area and the league average is 16. And they allow 28. They allow 28, and the second team, second most, is the Washington Wizards with 21. So that, that that's how crazy deep they get to just defend the rim at any cost and allow like five feet shots like wide open. And the thing about yeah. Shea is that he's probably one of the best at, at shooting them. So I think he, he'll be in a great position. Like Shea this season. 900 attempts, he had 50% of the shots like between 3 feet to 15 feet. So that's that area that Golden State allows the most in the entire league, by far the most. And that's where Shea is great. And also, they are fouling a lot and Shea is just living on the line. And it used to be... And also, great thing for Shea is high pace and he has everything. So this is like perfect matchup for, for Shea. And also, like, Wiggins is not healthy enough, I think, to guard him entire game. And he's just getting back. This is the first game back. And, yeah, love this point. Yeah. Um, other the side, graphic. Curry. Yeah, yeah other side. Yeah. yeah, you can just show the graph, and th- that will speak for, it, for itself. <laughs> he covered this line in 32 or 33 games this season, and the only game he didn't cover it was the game against the Pacers, where he shot two from 10. And... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not something that usually happens with Steph Curry, and yeah, just lovely spot for, for for him. So I I just quickly looked up team defense rate ratings. Uh, Golden State's like right in the middle of the league, so I, I kind of feel like Golden State pioneered the I guess Houston as well as Golden State, where they they focus on efficiency with analytics and shooting, so not shooting in mid range shooting at the rim, shooting from three. But I never thought of that approach from a defensive standpoint, giving up that sort of inefficient range and sort of the mid-range shot. So mid-range would be like, for, for me, to, just to easily describe it, non-paint twos. So I, I, I ne- for some reason, I'm so like infatuated with the analytics behind shooting scoring efficiency, which is why I think the modern NBA is so good because teams are just so smart at how they score. I've never thought of it from the other end where – you just you defend the three and you defend the rim. But if they want to take a, a so-called inefficient shot in mid-range, you're more comfortable to allow that to happen. So yeah, that's that's, that's a really main, cool read. Yeah, that's the main thing with drop coverage. Like, yeah, yeah, of that, course. That, that's the reason they teams started playing the, the the way more teams are now playing drop coverage and than the seasons before. And also the thing is like 
why are the Bucks the best defense in the league? Drop coverage, great ring protector, great weak side defender, a great point of attack defender. Like you can put any other two guys in, in, in this team and that won't affect like Drew Holiday as point of attack, uh, Brook Lopez as the drop coverage guy, and Giannis as the helper. You yeah. can put any two players next to these two guys, and they will have still like top 10 defense in the league. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've always like the concept of drop coverage always made sense, but the way Golden State lean into it so hard. I wonder. I, I I just wonder if there's any sort of uh, data that they've gotten on yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Like they, they are playing that kind of defense, like for like couple of seasons now, like five, yeah. five six yeah. years, and it's all because of the analytics. Yeah, data um, just shows that. Yeah, why would you like rim rim like seventy percent? Like you you are getting like one point three points per one hundred possessions. Oh, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, threes. If you are, if you have below average shooter, like three to four percent, you are getting also one point two points per possession. And you, when you have like above average, great mid range shooter, he's still getting you probably under one point per one hundred possession. So yeah. of course, like yeah, that's that, that that's the the best difference. But yeah, the the thing that um, Golden State have troubles is that when you are live alone. People to get inside to get to that middle shots, so they are driving heavily, so they are fouling a lot, and there is no better like efficient than uh, scoring than going to the free throw line. So they just need to like stop fouling. But yeah, mm-hmm. it makes sense like when you from the data like if you like for that example. But did it like it's like deeper than that? Like when you arrive a lot drives and like. You go more foul more often, and with that, like if you have a guy like shooting 50% from mid range, that's one point per like 100 possession. But if if you if, if he makes like 10 attempts and score fives, and you foul him twice, that's still like going to like 1.3 uh, points mm-hmm. per 100 possession. So yeah, it's it's a bit deeper, but yeah. I mean, yeah, all that makes sense. Uh, the, like there's no. There's no real mystery behind the scoring spike this season in the league. It's teams are smarter with their numbers, smarter with data. They're more efficient. They score more as a result. Like, that's why the league is the way it is. But also, like, for, for like, because I, I don't like the mid-range shot. I'm sure you kind of feel the same. But there are certain players in the league who have the green light, like Shea Gildas-Alexander. Like, you know, big example is Kevin Durant. The mid-range shot's inefficient for, like, 99% of the league. But each team probably has like one, maybe two guys who are just so good at it that you have to continue to yeah, allow them to do it. It's a bit more. Like I would like to say like 10 guys. Like DeMar DeRozan, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. Like there are guys like still that Kevin Kyrie Irving. Like there are like 10 players in the entire league that should have a green light to just shoot them. Because, yeah. The, the, the only I, thing... I was to say, one of my favorite players, like James Harden, was a huge like... like when the Anthony came to the Houston, they just for like it was forbidden to shoot like mid range, <laughs> and James Harden is unbelievable at the mid range. He was one of the best in the league, and he will also get fouled like two out of the ten times he gets inside. So it was like crazy efficient, and just took away it from him. And you had Chris Paul and James Harden, two great mid range shooters playing without mid range shot. That was like probably the thing why they didn't win the championship together. 
Makes it. And one more point on the mid-range shot for guys who aren't quite at that level. Like Siakam's a good example of this. Sometimes being just good enough in mid-range makes people defend you more in those spots, which allows a player like Siakam, who is unbelievable at finishing at the rim, which gives him that extra space. So that's why the top players need that shot, because it just makes defense think more, gives you more space in different areas. So uh, those are the reasons for the mid-range shot. And I'm just I don't know, interesting on that. I'm going to say also one more thing. Like, we saw, like, one thing new in the league, and that's a floater shot. And that's only because of the, the drop coverage, because teams need, players need to figure out how to beat it. So, like, players like Trey Young and, uh, like, a couple of other players, yeah, they are just, they needed to figure out the great shot to just beat the drop coverage. So, yeah, the defense changed, then offense changed, and then the defense changed again, and that's the, the NBA involving and. That's why I love it so much. The the ever-evolving NBA, always finding new ways to beat teams. Uh, that's why we love it so much. All right, let's recap the picks. Let's end this one off. First of all, first official play, uh, we have Johnson over 19.5 points, so 20-plus mixed with Porzingis over 17.5 points in the Wizards-Spurs game. That is plus 100 odds at DraftKings. Uh, second play is the Kings at the Timberwolves, leaning on Minnesota hard for this one. Rudy Gobert, 10 plus rebounds, over nine and a half rebounds, paired with Edwards over 24 and a half points, otherwise known as 25 plus points, which is also plus 100 drafting. So, two plus odds to start at us off. And the third one, Warriors at Thunder, which we spoke extensively about the Warriors and the way they play defense, which is why Shea Gillis Alexander over 20 and a half points is paired with Steph Curry over two and a half threes, which he has cleared every single game except for one that he has featured in this season. That is minus 115 at DraftKings. So three solid plays. Um, hopefully we can find some picks to cash here. If you guys are enjoying the shows, tailing the picks, winning some money with Pips' bets, then please make sure you are subscribed to the board on YouTube. We're almost at 600 subs. Want to vet to get that to 1,000 subs, of course. Also, please be sure to smash the like button on the stream to help us get on some more recommended pages. Really does go a long way to supporting the channel. If you're listening in podcast form, rate and review five stars. If you're on Twitter, Tell a friend about the show. Tell a friend about the picks. And maybe we can find a new viewer to listen to us tomorrow. We go live every weekday around 11.15, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Twitter, podcast a little bit after that, and, of course, on YouTube. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. We will see you tomorrow for more from myself and Pips. 